Luke 1, 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill. Um, sorry. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear." But why am I so favoured that the mother of the my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Stefan, how about a prayer and that'll help us work out if it's working. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. May it speak to our hearts and minds and be enacted in our lives. Amen. It has been a joy to be with you this morning to receive Alex into membership of the Anglican Church of Australia because what we were really doing was hearing Alex publicly declare that at this stage of his journey following Jesus, he wants to be part of the Anglican Church and commit to living out the promises made at your baptism because we recognise your baptism in in, uh, the Catholic Church and, um, and your confirmation, for that matter, and uh, that, you, that the promises that you've already made, uh, that you want to live out those promises now in the context of this church, Parkville in particular, and the Anglican Church more broadly. Now, that's great news for you guys. It's also great news for me. It's good to know that there's people in leadership in the Anglican Church who actually believe its doctrine and, it's, and uh, are prepared to act according to its polity. So that's really good. Our reading today is all about celebrating good news. So, you know, how do, how do we celebrate? What are some of the ways that when we're at our wonderful occasions or something that we think is absolutely wonderful, how do we celebrate? Just recently, I went to the wedding of my uh, 30-year-old niece. They were high school, um, high school sweethearts, got together at 16, but didn't get married until 30. So it was, a, it, it was a great celebration. And how, how do you think we celebrated there? What did we do? Pardon? Ate lots of food. We ate lots of food. And what's the other thing that often happens to celebrate these days at things like that? Photos, yeah, endless photos. And they look so happy, let me tell you. And they also, they also had, you know, the special dance, you know, after all the speeches. And, the, you know, they, they do the special dance at the beginning of the reception. How do we, 
celebrate birthdays? What are the certain things that are particular that we celebrate birthdays with? Yes. Cake. That is right. Wonderful cakes. I'm of the chocolate cake and the hundreds and thousands variety and never extended beyond that. But yes, the cake. And what's another one? What? Presents. And what do we sing? There's a song we sing. Yes, right at the back. Happy birthday to you. Absolutely. All the time. That's right. How do we celebrate Christmas? This is very topical. Yes. Presents. Yes, very topical. That's a reminder to your mother. Yes. Yeah, carols, we sing again, don't we? We also do a lot of eating, but we also sing, don't we? Lots of carols. Well, what we're seeing today in our reading is Mary celebrating and she is singing. That, that's what we're, we're seeing a great... It's only two women, but, but they are really celebrating and they're singing and I bet they're dancing too, actually. She's, and she's celebrating with her cousin Elizabeth because Mary, she's settling some very unsettling news She's set off in a hurry to visit her cousin Elizabeth because the angel has announced to Mary that she is going to bear the son of God, the baby Jesus, the birth we celebrate each year with Christmas. And as Nikita pointed out, she accepts the news when she says, here am I, the servant of the Lord, this love word. But, I mean, we all think, you know, isn't this lovely, Christmas, and how wouldn't it be amazing to have an angel come and make that announcement But actually, her world has been absolutely turned upside down. She's she's only engaged at that point, or betrothed as they would have called it then. She's not married, and also she's a very young teenager. So in her world, 2,000 years ago, the world of first century Palestine the news that she was going to have a baby could not have been more unsettling. Her whole life is being disrupted. How could she tell her parents? How could she tell her fiancé when he knew the baby wasn't his? Who was going to believe the story? She was actually being pushed to the margins and it wasn't her choice but she was accepting it. We don't know her parents' reaction. We do know Joseph needed the convincing of an angel in a dream before believing her. But for the rest of her life, she would be marked out by many as the girl who had an illegitimate child. Well, the angel has also told Mary that her elderly and relative Elizabeth, who hasn't been able to have a baby, is actually miraculously Pregnant, And I have to say, the truth is, having had my children at 35 and 39, I actually relate far more to Elizabeth than Mary in this story. But no wonder Mary sets off to visit her because Elizabeth is someone who would actually understand. More than that, she's got someone she can celebrate with and whose greeting is more than she expects. He's actually helping her grasp the reality of what God is doing. Who here... Of you, some I can see some of you have little brothers and sisters, and are any of you here old enough to remember actually being able to put your hand on your mother's tummy and, and hear the baby, feel the baby move, and, and make, yeah, you can, yeah, and maybe kick, yeah, yeah, when those two are little, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. It's an amazing feeling. Um, 
And I've actually known what it is to have a baby kick and turn um, inside myself in, in my womb. But I read this and I think, leap? Leap for joy? That's pretty amazing. Uh, so it's uh, pretty unsettling for Elizabeth as well. But her response, what she says, where we picked it up today, would have settled Mary's doubts and fears. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of the Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So even though God has turned Mary's world upside down, Elizabeth reminds her of the blessing God has bestowed on her for believing his promises. The blessing of bringing the Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah, the ruler of God's eternal kingdom into our world. The blessing that would far surpass all that she would suffer. She was willing to obey God regardless of the cost. And she celebrates in the words of the song that we heard read, recorded in Luke's Gospel, and what we know, we call it over the centuries the Magnificat. Uh, that's Latin, I think, because of the opening line. I did one, I did one year of Latin at Sydney University. Um, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. And so what we're hearing is a whole celebration of God. God has taken the initiative. God the Lord, the Saviour, the Powerful One, the Holy One, the Merciful One, the Faithful One. God is the ultimate reason to celebrate for he has looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the Mighty One has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So Princess Berry, she was trying to press me with all that she'd done. What Mary is celebrating is what God is doing through her. That's the difference. Sorry, Berry, Princess Berry, but just thought I'd make the point. So yes, Mary might face disbelief. She might face rejection. Yes, her life has been disrupted, but future generations will be able to see God at work. And by including this song, which actually almost every word is a quote from the Old Testament, Mary's Bible, such as Mary would have known from childhood, so you know, drinking all these words that you're, uh, in, when you're at Sunday school, all these uh, scriptures that you're learning, because that's what will carry you on, and it's what carried, carried Mary... Luke is emphasising, and also later on in the chapter, there's another, another song that Elizabeth's father sings when the baby in Elizabeth's womb is born, John. With all this singing, Luke is in celebration. Luke is emphasising that God is doing something new, something wonderful. People are celebrating God is at work. God is fulfilling his promises. 
And the thing is, people, Mary and Elizabeth, but also you and I and Alex being received today, we're all caught up in that. That's the amazing thing. And that Mary also can celebrate what unsettles. God scattering the proud, casting down the mighty from their thrones while lifting up the lowly, sending the rich away empty while filling the hungry. This is a God who threatens comfort, power and influence. A God who is upending the power structures of the world and it will be because of the baby she's carrying through Jesus that Mary can declare he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. See, I think the Magnificat particularly resonates with us at this time because we also have been so unsettled. We have experienced a disruptor in our personal lives, with our families, in our communities, in our workplaces. Our world has been turned upside down. We talk about pre-COVID and I get totally skewed in trying to think what sometimes about lengths of time. But our world has been totally turned upside down, what school looks like, what work looks like, what church looks like. And after three years, nearly three years of COVID, a significant time of disruption and change, churches and also world events in lots of ways are only serving to underline this, churches along with many other organisations and the wider community still don't have a strong sense of how everything will unfold, what it all means as we look to the future, as we're called to reimagine the future. And yet, God is doing something new, something wonderful. There are many stories I've heard over these past three years, stories of God at work, stories of grace, stories to inspire. And as we think about this song that we've heard today and we're actually going to sing soon again after this. We did the first part at the beginning of the service. We're going to sing the whole song soon. It's worth keeping in, two, in mind two points that a theologian called Bruegemann makes. He makes the point in a book called Truth-Telling as Subversive Obedience. His first point I want to highlight is the gospel truth is revolutionary, subversive and disruptive. So the call to obedience, as Mary was called, as we are called, can be costly, risky. Keeping your baptismal promises can be costly, risky. Look where it's led Alex. That's challenging and it can be unsettling. But as Bruegemann, in his naming of another book, on the Old Testament, right, as he puts in, in an unsettling God, as he puts it, the Old Testament, and I think we can say for us really the whole of the scriptures, is an invitation to reimagine our life and our faith. He uses a very technical term there, I'll skip that, in an ongoing conversation with God in which all parties are summoned to risk and change. COVID's really brought home for us how technology can be a driver for radical change. 
radical in innovation, uh, you know, computers, internet and so on, have transformed, as I said, what it means for us to go, go to work or school or church. And, you know, really we've known that for ages, hasn't it? The invention of the wheel, cars, automation, machines transformed everything. What happens is a lot of things we take for granted, how things work, how things should be done, get stood on their head. Well, see, the other driver for radical change, radical innovation, is deliberate change in meaning. Deliberate change in meaning. And let me say God is an expert at it. Mary, giving birth to the Son of God, radically changed the meaning of what it meant for God to save his people and keep his promises. It radically changed who the Messiah, the one promised that they were looking to come, was. Baby. Human, yes, but also God. What it means for God to be with us, to dwell with his people, what that looks like. I prayed for you today effectively for the strengthening of the Holy Spirit in line with your confirmation promises, Alex. That is God dwelling within us through Jesus, his son. Times of crisis, times of disruption, such as we've experienced as hard, or whatever, besides COVID as well, as hard and as challenging and as difficult as they are, it's in these times that God's people are helped to recover their vocation, gain a clear sense of purpose, at the heart of which is love. And see, that is what Mary is celebrating. She, at the heart of it, very simply, she is being called to love this baby Jesus. To love this baby Jesus and all that that will mean. A huge risk for her, a huge change, yes, but that is the heart of it. And so she is celebrating her God who is giving her this calling, this purpose, her God, our God, who takes the initiative, our Lord and Saviour, powerful, holy, merciful and faithful, the God who fulfils his promises through lifting up the lowly and filling the hungry with God's good things, the God who calls each of us to play our part. So I want to say to you, today and this Christmas and as you look to 2023, be open to God turning your life upside down. Not only accepting but celebrating. Not just saying okay but gladly obeying God's call on your life, on your church here at Parkville to celebrate what it means for you and I as your bishop to be caught up within God's story of salvation. May you have a blessed and holy Christmas.